in a couple of minutes, we're going to say the keenness of the of the Baba Rebbe and Rabbi Schwab, the keenness over the over the Churban, the Shoah, and then we're going to say Alexiyin, and then we'll be finished with keenness. A few years ago, I mentioned to you we discussed in Halacha. The question in Halacha after the after the Beis Hamikdash was built, the second Beis Hamikdash was built, should Tishav continue? Should there be a Tishav after the second Beis Hamikdash? The Tanaisim of the Churban. Should there be a Tishav after the first after the first after the second Beis Hamikdash was built? Everything is good. So instead of crying about Ha'avke B'Chaydesh Chamishi, and we spoke then a couple of years ago about about the word Eicha Eicha, how could it be? How could it be? And, and that as long as there's as long as there's one Jew in the world as long as there's one Jew in the world who still can't answer that question, how could this be? So we're still crying. Rosalvechik explains that the Pshat in Elitzion means to continue crying out, to continue, to wail and to cry, to cry out, but to continue and to continue. That a person shouldn't think that when we come to the end of Kinnis, and we come to the end of Tishabov, that we've finished crying, and that there's nothing else to cry about, there's nothing to mourn over. And the same way, it says in the late Sion, so Yeshua said, can you imagine that a woman is bitsira? A woman is in, in labor. She's experiencing the horrible pains of labor. So would anybody go over to that to that woman and say, It's enough already, what are you crying so much? What are you screaming so much? No normal person could go over and to tell such a person, to tell a woman like that, to stop crying. She'll tell you what she'll say. Stop! I should stop crying. If she's able to speak, she'll say, "I'll stop crying when I when, when I when I give birth. I'll stop crying when I have the baby. And then after you have the baby, then you're crying because you're worried about the children." And then someone says to you, why don't you stop crying? She says, stop crying when, I, when I'm not worried about my children anymore. Can you imagine such a thing? We had, we had in our times a few years ago, there was a kala, that the chasm was supposed to be the, the next day, I think it was supposed to be the next day, right? What was the name again? Um, Applebaum, the girl, uh, Nava, Nava Applebaum. 
she was supposed to, the chasm, I think, was the next day, Mamish, right? <coughs> they made a parochus in the Kevarochim, from that chasm, from the wedding dress. So, could you imagine, Kifsula Chagura Sak Abal Nerea? Imagine, it was the other way, imagine that that there's a, the Kala uh, and it was just it was just the Chasna just the Chasna and it was, they were just married they were just married that day and and then the husband's taken away this happened to our people the husband's taken away it's not Shevabach it's nothing the husband's taken away she doesn't know what happened to him where is he is he going to come back he's not going to come back so can you imagine you go over to a person like that and you, and you say to it's enough crying, it's enough crying. Why are you crying so much? How much can you cry? How much can you how much can you mourn? You know, I was I was talking the other day on Shabbos, I was I was giving a shmuz to the Khavar there on the mountains. And I was talking about I was talking about feeling trying to feel the pain of other people who have lost that we shouldn't be insensitive to other people who have suffered loss. And it came into my head and I was talking about I mentioned it, I mentioned about it's just a short time since since the Indian of Gush Katif, it's a short time. We saw we saw pictures I never saw a moving picture. I saw a picture of the Jewish boy that they threw out the window. You remember? The Yishmaelim threw him out the window. And then I said, the, it happened in El a few years ago by the, by the buildings in the city, by the World Trade Center. Shameless names. Thousands of people. You know, and I was talking about about trying to somehow on Tishavov, trying to be able to feel that another person's pain is also my pain. That it hurts me too. And that I can't go, like Abuda Levi said, this needs to be discussed much more. We we just saw in the in the kina a few minutes ago in Sina Halas Shali. Even the lady said, How could I enjoy my food? How could I eat? And if I have to eat to live, how could I enjoy my food? When I see, when I see them carrying away little children, when I see the dogs carrying away little lion cubs, carrying away Jewish children. Some of us stop crying to think of parents of those soldiers that go to those graves that already earlier years, 1948 and 56 and 67 and 73, the last war, Muhammad, Muhammad, that they have at least a grave to go to, not all of them. Would anybody go over to this to the to the to the wives and mothers and fathers of these boys that are still missing? 
that are still missing. What happened to them? Where are they? Are they alive? They're not alive. Was them? Where? So you go over to you go over to Goldwasser's wife, and you say to her, and you say to Chesula Chagurasak Abal Nurel, why are you crying so much? It's already two years. It's already uh, no. It's already uh, more than a year. Why are you crying? So I must speak. So Elitzion means that after we finish the last thing that we said, and then you say a little bit after, but the, we all stand up and say Elitzion after we say the, the keynote over the Holocaust. And Elitzion means that you're closing the keynotes now and you're going to put them away. And everybody has a place. You know that the Tzadik and the Shri, the Tzadik and the, when the, when the keynotes were cheap, they used to put them in Shemus. Now, I say this every year, but once I saw they made the hard, the hard cover, I knew that it's a bad sign. Once the, once the article came out with the hardcover keenness, I knew this was already, this isn't good. Because then, you know, if, if a person already spent, spent $15, $20 on the keenness, you know, so he already has it on his shelf. It's not anymore in the, in the shameless, to put it. The old booklets used to put away, because you could buy it for 50 cents and forget it. Or at least it's still from the shul. I have it every year, the keenness, but to actually... To actually spend twenty dollars on a hard cover. So Elysium means that after Kinas are finished, we don't stop crying. Elysium means Kivsula Chagurasak Albalna Raha. So what does that mean? For all the Mashim Bahat Siyah and Lish by the Sarayisaf, let's end like this. We said every day in the evening. For all the Mashim that the Redeemers, for all of them, are going to rise up on Hat Siyah. Lish by the There's going to be a judgment of the mountain of Esav. Lish by the I was always thinking and wondering, what is that mishpat of Haresov? What's that, the Nuremberg trial? What's the mishpat of Haresov? For all the machine, there's going to be a trial at the end of time. For all the machine, but I see on mishpat of Haresov, it sounds like we're going to sit in judgment somehow. There's going to be a court case at the end of time. The all the machine, but I see on versus Haresov. So in the Tanav Eliyahu it says in the Majrish Bizchar shalash demais shaharid v'naflu me'enav shalaisav Because of the three tears that fell from Esav's eyes Esav was upset Yaakov took the Bukhari from him He took the Bracha So because of the three tears it says in Tanav Eliyahu Because of the three tears he was given this magnificent mountain, whatever that is, Har Not like our mountains. 
not like our, not like our places in Eretz Yisrael, where if it doesn't rain for a bit, if it's a bad season, then God forbid nobody has Parnassah. Har Esav, Har Esav, the Medrash says, She'en Gishmei Brocha Paiskim Emedala the oil wells of Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, the Gishmei Brocha that Esav has, the Alps in Switzerland. So how did the Goyim, how did the Goyim, how did Esav get these places? Because of three tears that Esav, Esav was upset. And the Yalkut says and told us, Omri Yisrael, Esav HaRasha, Al Shahirid Shalosh Demois. Listen, this maybe is the Mishpat, Har Sion versus Har Esav. We should already start printing up a program and get our t-shirts ready. Har Sion. This is the Mishpat of Har Sion, because we could already put it on now. This is Har Sion versus Har Esav. This is the Mishpat. This is the big judgment. On the day of judgment, Har Sion versus Har Esav. Omri Yisrael, and the Alkadim told us, Esav Arashim, Al Shahirid Shalosh Demois, Esav Arashim, cried three tears. And the small Rachim and the Bereshit has this Gevaldige Rachim, such compassion, such pity for the three tears of Esav. Your children, your Kala, your Nava. Who don't stop crying day and night. Allah has come of What's waiting for us? Allah has come of What do we deserve? Face it for three tears. Got Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and Switzerland and Sweden and Norway for three tears. The whole business for three tears. And Gishmei brought a poiskim menel. So all the the masayin the tadir in yom of alayla has come of a kamish nemer. Hoi salid dimasi lecha yom of alayla. Hoi salid dimasi to my tears. I swallow my tears. Hoi salid dimasi lechem yom of alayla. That's what we eat. There were Jews who wished and doubted that they should be able to have some tears to taste when they were starving. Hoi salid dimasi lechem yom of alayla. Omar David. And regarding this, David the Hamelach said, El Demosi al Techarash. El Demosi al Techarash. Don't turn a deaf ear to my tears. Don't turn away, El Demosi al Techarash. So, we have to think as we get ready to, to close the keynotes. We have to think. A couple of tears that Esav cried. The Novi Yirmiya says, that we're going to come back to Hatsiyan. We're going to come back to Yerushalayim with tears. 
doesn't mean doesn't mean that our return to Yushalam is going to be sad. That's going to be the happiest day. Coming back to Yushalayim. It's going to be the happiest day. So what's the Bechi? The tears. The tears that the Medrash is talking about. The Lechengom Valayla, those tears. Not the three drops, but the rivers of tears. The Klai Yisrael has cried. As the Zara Kodesh says, B'Prokonadi is, Prokonadi Yisrael Atalya Elvibchi. The goal of the Jewish people depends on these tears. So, so we could say when we close the Kinnis, that Rabbi Shalom, Higiyah Azman, the time has come for the judgment, for the mishpat. Yaisha. Yaisha, mishpat. The Barshalom described himself as Oyhev Sadako Mishpat. He loves mishpat. So wouldn't it be a fair, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be good? And wouldn't it be right that there should be such a mishpat? Three tiers of Esav on one side. With Har Esav. And all of that means. Har Seyer. And three tiers of Esav. And on the other side, on the other side, the rivers, the rivers, the oceans of Klyasil's tears. And what that judgment is going to be, Aleph. The Yamach Shimon that's going to take place. That's going to take place. But more important for us, <coughs> the Achas Kamav Akamav, the Kavachayim of what's coming to Klai Yisrael after all the years of Haisali, Damasi, Lachi, Yom, I want just to share with you short another short paragraph and we'll end from Farbstein's book. There's a parasha, there's a parasha about the Melchama. At this point, we would think that everything that's possible to say of the right about the Holocaust has already been written and said. There's a section of the book that's called The Survivors. And it's about the effect of the shock of liberation after the Muhammad. because many of us in our smallness and our silliness and our ignorance especially people who did not grow up in the homes of survivors or didn't speak to survivors would think that on that great day when either the Americans came or the Russians whoever came and liberated the place that they were in or the camp wherever they were taken out from or from hard labor or from or they came out from Siberia, or from wherever they came. But, but we would, one would think that it must have been the most unbelievable simcha. This, for me personally, is, is something that it's impossible to put into words, of course. Just 
hearing about things growing up. Because the feeling is always that what happened during the Mulchama is beyond words. There are no words for that. What happened during the war? And as much as my father said, and as my mother never said, and, and whatever you and I have ever read, or ever heard, or any, or any pictures that we've seen, It's not one tear. It's not anything. But after the war, what happened after the war? So during the war, Ein Maladava. We'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk, but there's nothing. The words are nothing. And I remember, I remember growing up when every now and then they would have on the television some film or something about the Mulchama about the Holocaust so my mother never came in and my father would sit for a minute or two and he would stand up and he would just he would make something with his hand and walk out but after the war I don't know much about what my parents lived through after the Muhammad the truth is that I'm sure there's some of you that have heard things maybe your parents or grandparents shared with you I don't know it was like uh, you know DP camps my father was longer in the DP camp. My mother was taken out and was sent to England with some other girls, some of the other survivors, and she spent a little time in England. That's what she said. She picked up her, her English accent. That's just a joke. She doesn't have an English accent. She likes to think that she has. She was just there for a few months. But I don't know. I don't understand what happened, how they felt. And whenever I asked, I never, how did it feel like afterwards? I never got much on that Indian, much of a reading. Listen, listen to something from Falkstein's book. While still in the concentration camps, they had believed there was a hidden meaning and purpose to the suffering. Perhaps these were the birth pangs of the Messianic age. And the Redeemer was waiting in the gates. But they were bitterly disappointed. The redemption did not come. And the world was alien and sealed. She has at the end of the book a chapter with two letters that, dis that discusses two letters. One of them is written by a young woman. Amazing, amazing person. A survivor. Who after the Muhammad started sending letters to newspapers. She started sending letters. There are American Jewish soldiers who were able to get it, who were able to get her letters over to places where they could get out to the to these newspapers. Cut and call newspapers didn't want to print them. Jewish newspapers. Jewish newspapers didn't want to print them. She got some in England and some in New York printed to see these letters. Where are you? Where are you? Where are our brothers and sisters? Until some some came with American with the American army, some came from England some famous Rabbanim and Sadiqim, as you know, there was a general feeling of abandonment. That after all that we went through, there was this, there was this expectation on the part of the ones who were religious and even those who were not officially religious, that there must have been something very, very deep and amazing that happened. And now, when the gates would open, 
they would be greeted by Mashiach the king. That's what they really thought. The redemption did not come. And not only that, but the world was alien and sealed. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know who was alive. So the first place, and my father told my mother, they, they headed back to their towns. They tried to get back to their towns to find out if anybody was alive. And they drained around. Some people stayed a little bit longer in those towns, hoping they could rebuild over there. Depression in the DP camps increased. This is not a passage that's really written about much. At least I don't know much about it. I haven't seen much. And I've tried to read it whatever I could on the subject. Depression in the DP camps increased. And the faith suffered. Rav Aronson, the author of the Shales and Shuvah's Devaya Yeshua, was a Goyen Olam, a Goyen Olam, with Devaya Yeshua. See, he wrote, After the terrible Holocaust that wiped out the best of our sons and daughters, our intense hope was for the coming of Mashiach. We couldn't believe that any less was possible. But instead, we greeted American, British, and Soviet soldiers and faced a world that rejected us. This is after the Muhammad. He continues. There was no doubt in my mind that the war would result in all evil being extinguished like smoke. And that the spirit of impunity passing for, would pass from the earth. I would stand in anticipation. He said he was dreaming about making it to the end of the war if it would end. I would stand in anticipation like a cantor, like a chazan standing during Rosh Hashanah and scream out, HaMelech! The king! I knew that those who remained would be like a new creation by God. A new creature with lofty, elevated understanding. And the earth would be filled with knowledge of God as waters covers the sea. Therefore, I didn't pray for the birth pangs to stop. You hear this? The tzaddik said, I didn't, I was suffering so much and I didn't even, I didn't even doubt that the pain should stop. But for the birth to come. Because I figured, after all of this pain, it could only be Mashiach. After all of this pain, it could only be good. So, I didn't even doubt that the pain should stop. Because I knew, trouble, suffering and pains are an essential stage in birth. We're talking about a guy in Olam. We're not talking about a simple person. I knew, he said, that all of the trouble, suffering and pains are an essential stage of birth. And the birth is the redemption of Israel. And when they liberated the camp, that first Shabbos, I, probably everybody here has read about the Klosenberger Rebbe during the war and after the war. Probably everybody. If you haven't, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. And you should. And that first amazing Shabbos after the Mulchama, that till Mashiach comes, and when Mashiach comes, I'm sure that's going to be written in a Megillah, a new Megillah, of, that, of, what, of what happened that Shabbos, the Klosenberg Rebbe, that first Shabbos after the Mulchama, when they were able to put together a Shabbos, and the Rebbe had a few pieces of fruit and some nuts, some almonds. And he made that Shabbos, and he feared a tish, a tish that was never a tish like that since the creation of this world. And the, all the Zemiris and the Nusach of Sans. And how he spoke to the Jews at that tish and the things that he said at that tish. That whole Shabbos, the Friday night davening. All the Jews coming to the Friday night davening. And how the Rebbe stayed with them. And what he said to the girls afterwards when he spoke to the boys. And the first thing the Rebbe said Friday night by Kabbalah Shabbos when he spoke. Was this what we had hoped for? 
American soldiers, the Rebbe said, we're grateful to them. The Rebbe said, don't get me wrong. We're so grateful to these American soldiers. But was this what we had hoped for? American soldiers? We had hoped for shift take car. The Rebbe said, I thought that when the gates were going to open, I thought the ten shvatim, I thought they were going to come walking in. The lost shvatim. I really thought so, the Rebbe said. And he meant it. How can we say stop we talk like that? He meant it. He said the Kozma Garebi in his first Friday night drosha after liberation. Another, another tzavik wrote, Rav Roth, Shulam. In order to illustrate for you the state we were in and the enormity of the ordeal, I will mention here one little detail that indicates something about the whole. The entire time I was in the extermination camps, I said Shema Yisrael every day. Moreover, I continued even after the liberation and trying to remain unswerving in faith in God after the liberation was harder than during the Holocaust itself. He said, after the liberation, to remain a strong Jew and to remain the big Ma'amin, after the liberation was harder than during the Holocaust itself. That's what he writes. The reader will no doubt be surprised by this. But in fact, in the camps we always had great hope. In the concentration camps we always had great hope that the redemption would come the next day. All the pain, all the suffering, but the redemption would come the next day. And as my father used to say, our righteous Messiah will come to Auschwitz. We thought the revelation and the redemption would be sudden. We would see with our own eyes why we had suffered and would understand the reckoning and the purpose of the suffering. We believed the whole time in concentration camp. We kept on pushing and we believed that the day that it would be finished, the Mashiach Zikadah would walk in and then we would understand. And everything would be clear. Not just that the pain would stop. That the shift that covered walk in, the Rebbe said, with our Zaydis and our Bobbies and our husbands and wives and children, everybody who was killed. And everybody was going to walk in through those gates. That's what we thought. And we would understand the reckoning and the purpose of suffering. But the hardest thing was when liberation, when liberation Day came, they called it liberation, but I don't know what kind of liberation it was, because on the contrary, we then discovered the destruction around us. After the liberation, then we discovered what really happened. We didn't know that all was destroyed. We didn't know the extent of the destruction. Liberation, he writes, what liberation? After the Muhammad's when the suffering, he says, became worse. And together with what we saw, that not, and together with that, we saw that nothing had changed. The world was proceeding as usual. The world was proceeding as usual. It is the same. Whenever I see a picture, I'm telling you the truth. Whenever I happen to see a picture in the newspaper, and it says like it's showing a picture from the from the World Series 1943, you know what I'm saying? To this day. Whenever I see anything like that, any picture, I see that, uh, I remember as a kid when there's a movie, and the movie was made in 1941. You know, Gary Cooper is, 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 is engaged to Vivian Lee or something, when I look at the picture and I see, how could, they, how could the Yankees play in, in 1942? The world just goes on. And not only that, but Am Chabes Yisrael, our own people. 
It's hard to understand that we would have been no different. So we would have been playing stickball in the street in 1942 also, and cheering the Yankees. And saying, when we heard some news that, that every single Jew in Poland was, was being killed, we would have went... But he said, this pain to see that nothing had changed. The world was proceeding as usual. But after the liberation that they were still shooting, the Russians were shooting at Jews. One of the Hebrew told me last night, after we finished Eicher, one of the Hebrew here told me last night, I'm going to get I'll have time to I'll tell it in the future. I'm going to get Meiser, from his Mishpachet, with the Russians, after the Muhammad, that the Russians were taking these Jews, who went through the whole thing, the Russians were taking them, to send them, after the after camp, they were being rounded up to be sent where? To the motherland, to be sent to Siberia. And there was a general that went over there, and he spoke to them in Yiddish, and he said to them, he was a Jew, the general, he said to them, he says, don't worry about it, I'm going to take care of this. He told him he took care, and he saved them the last minute. <coughs> and my father remembers with his brothers in Budapest, after the Muhammad, after the Muhammad, what the Russians were doing to the Jews there. After liberation, that there was also a Russian soldier, my father said, a colonel. My uncle had the store, and the Russian had, they, he was selling some watches. The Russians were uh, obsessed with watches. And they were coming there with watches all the time to look, to buy watches. My uncle had some smuggled by a guy after the Muhammad. He had from before the Muhammad in Budapest, he had some watches. And they were able to get some money. But from that they were able to come to, to, and to have a, a little better here when they got to New York. My father and my uncle. So my uncle said that a, there was a Russian colonel that was coming to the store all the time. And they were getting very nervous from him. And then, the, and then, the, and then one day he comes over and he goes, he goes behind the counter... He says to my uncle to come behind. And, and my uncle and my father got very scared what's going to be here. And he says to them in Yiddish, he was a Jew, he says, he says, Schnell, get out of here, because by night tonight, there's going to be a, a shechita here. Whoever owns a store, any Jews that have any stores, they're going to come in here, the, the Russian soldiers are going to come in, there's going to be a shechita, get what you can, I'll tell you, and get out. And then he, and, this, and the colonel ran from there, and that was the last they saw of him, and my fallen uncle, the great arose. And there was a shechita. A big shechita. Any of the Jews who had, had, was, who had uh, some businesses over there, there was a shechita. From the Russians. After liberation. We saw that nothing had changed. The world was proceeding as usual. Why, you need to look any further than any of the newspapers. Nowadays, the newspapers and the things that you see, not that the world proceeds as usual on a nice day in Yankee Stadium in 1942, or if you were in Abbott's Field on a nice day in 1943. No, 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 no. The newspapers now have the same kind of cartoons and the same things that, are, that were at the time era of the Holocaust and during the Holocaust. The world was proceeding as usual, and God was as hidden as before. And we did not find any change in the world. In view of all of this, many Jews who had stood firm and passed difficult tests during the Holocaust, unfortunately lost their faith and did not summon the strength to go on. Could not continue after the Holocaust. Many of those who managed, who managed through the Muhammad with, with their Shema Yisrael's, So as we close the Kinnis, we're going to get up and say the last few so, 
that there should be a judgment for the tears not just during the suffering but the tears after the suffering the tears of, of my parents and of your parents and grandparents and of all Jews after liberation the tears of all the years one of the Chavik showed me this in Yerushalayim after the Muhammad you know the base Israel first Imamis was, was Rabbi and then the Hali Ramis was able to survive and the base Israel to rebuild the Malchus of Ger and in a book that was written by Rebcheskel Besser's grandson he, he brings different stories that he heard from his grandfather Rebcheskel And he says that his grandfather told, remember the story that he had never told. He says that people used to wonder about the base Israel, about the Gerard. The Imramis and the base Israel, how they were able to rebuild with such single-minded dedication, that they must have been people who were above emotions. Some of you might be familiar with Gerard. And you know, in that world, by the rabbis of Ger, it's not like hugs and kisses, you know what I'm saying? It's not, that's not how you earn your stripes in Ger. And the tzaddikis from Ger very, very, very rarely show any emotion. And when they do, it's not known to the, to the oilam at large. It's to get a bracha, to get a word, you have to earn it. So there are people who would think, he writes here, that the base Israel was without emotions. Otherwise, how could you rebuild after all that he had lost? They say he was superhuman. But I know, Cheska Bessel, I know it was just the opposite. He never forgot, even for a second, his family, his friends, his whole world that had gone up in flames. Just that instead of focusing on the anger and despair, he used that passion to fuel his mighty efforts to reignite the fires of Kutsk. And here's the story. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I said between 12 and 12.30. It'll be a few minutes after that. One Friday night, it was Parshas Yechi in Yerushalayim. And Vesta says, he said, I was walking home from the Tish. When I heard hurried footsteps behind me, I turned and saw a young Gerabacher who asked me, Do you like tea? Do you like to drink tea? It's a funny question. He's walking back from the fish, and the Gerabacher asks, Chaskobest, do you like to drink tea? I wasn't familiar with that manner of speaking. So I shrugged, No. I walked further, and he was still behind me. Are you sure that you don't like tea? <coughs> yes, I reiterated. I don't like tea. When I was about to enter the building that he was going into, he finally said, if you would like tea, the Rebbe is waiting for you. In other words, the Rebbe wants to have some tea with you. I grasped the magnitude of the statement and ran as fast as I could to the Rebbe's apartment. Can you imagine? In the later years, he could never get such a, an opportunity. The Rebbe was waiting with a glass of tea and a broad smile. He motioned for me to sit, but I was unable to sit in his presence. 
Very well, he said, I will stand as well. If you're not going to sit, I'll stand. I immediately sat down. And spent one of the most magnificent hours of my life as the Rebbe related numerous divrei on the parasha. Suddenly the Shabbos clock went out. I tried to close my eyes and think about this. And the room was plunged into darkness. I rose to leave. But the Rebbe told me to stay. A few minutes of total silence went by in the darkness. When the Rebbe suddenly started pounding on the table. Once, twice, three times his fist came down on the wood. Chaskel, chaskel, he said. Sadiqim have said that a person will have to give a din v'chazim for every knock on a table. But what shall I do? What can I do? I, ha- I don't have anyone with whom to cry anymore. So Besser writes, words failed me then and still do when I contemplate the greatness of this man. He carried the tears of 200,000 souls. The tears of Malamdim, Chayda Yingelach, Bochram, learning, Shdiblach. He had no one with whom to share these tears. No place to put them. But he did not deny them. It was those tears that nourished those first seedlings. Those tears that created a rushing torrent of passion, sweeping up souls in its wake and leading them home. My grandfather pauses. You asked me, what was the secret of the miraculous rebirth? It was those tears. The Mishpat and Haraisav, Hartzian and Haraisav, it's not only for the tears. It's also for the for the tears that that our parents and grandparents and that the base Israel couldn't cry because he had no one with whom to cry anymore. I noticed last Matzah Shabbos. I was just noticing that sentence in the in the mirrors of Matzah Shabbos two weeks ago. I mentioned the Binyam year over, and I mentioned to Binyam we were seeing these mirrors. That's the Shabbos, Mava Malkin. There's a sentence in this mirror that says, Azor na lanishorim. Please help those who are left. The, the Shabbos had played that it's still left. I mentioned to you last year. My wife said it can't be Mashiach will come and there won't be any of the sheikhs that played to the Kabbalah play Mashiach. Those who were there when the when the doors of Auschwitz opened, not one should be here to see Taka. But the closing of the said that it shouldn't be American soldiers, that it should be Mashiach Sikahim, not one. Azorna Lanisharim, help those who remain. The Bershom should help those parents who lost children in wars who lost children to suffering, to pain, to sickness, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, to take ace of the judgment, not just for the tears, but for the inability to shed tears because, or the holding back of tears, like the base Israel. Because the base Israel was a giver. He pounded on the table three times in the, in the darkness of that night in Yushalayim. Some of us have heard more than ten times, more than three times pounding. 
Banisharim. Rabbi help those who have remained, that they should have the joy and the pleasure to sit in the grandstands of that Mishpat. Of that Mishpat that's going to be, we should be zoichet to see it with our eyes. We should be zoichet to see the Gula Hashem. Amen. 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 Am